Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew speaks on the book of Joshua, with part one of this message entitled, Success in Life Guaranteed. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Help us, O Lord, to pay attention to the word you have spoken to Joshua. Lord, we pray that you open our minds. Speak to us today. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be terrified. Be not discouraged. For I am with you. Oh God, praise you and thank you that you are with us. If God is with us, who can be against us? Nothing can be against us to separate us from the love of God. We rest in the fact that you call us as your people. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God is guaranteeing success in our life. And that we understand from God's charge to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, 1 through 9. What God promises, he performs. What God starts, he finishes. He who began a good work in you, said Paul, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The book of Joshua literally starts with, and it was, in the Hebrew text. In other words, Joshua is the continuation of God's work, which began in Genesis, especially in his covenant with Abraham. And he continued his work of salvation through Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and now Joshua. And that's why it begins, and it came to pass. There is an and. As Joshua faced new challenges and different situations, around 1406 BC we face new challenges new enemies and new opportunities new opportunities to glorify God and enjoy him forever the context is mighty Moses died at 120 years of age And we are told that the Lord buried him. Over 600,000 of Israelites died since they came out of Egypt. For their sins. We should pay attention. God's judgment begins in the house of God. We are told Moses was God's servant. Moses, my servant. 
There is no greater honor for human beings than to be called servant of God. But there is no servant who is without sin except the suffering servant Jesus Christ whose death destroyed our death. Mighty Moses died and we ask why did he die? Why did he fail to lead his people into Canaan? And the answer is given to us in the scriptures. He disobeyed God. God will not tolerate his servant to disobey him. You know the story as recorded in Numbers chapter 20. People rebelled because they were thirsty. And God spoke to Moses to speak to the rock. He struck the rock twice instead. And yet God in his great faithfulness let the water flow for the people. For this sin, he died. He prayed to God to let him lead the people into Canaan. God said no. He was not permitted to lead the Israelites across Jordan into the promised land. Moses was the last person who would die in the wilderness. Only two people, Caleb and Joshua, of the old generation who would enter the promised land. Because we are told they had a different spirit. Because we are told they fully obeyed the Lord. That's the context. What are they to do now? Moses has died. Moses who saw God, spoke to God face to face. There is no one greater than Moses. Moses who produced the Pentateuch, the five books of the Bible. This mighty Moses died for his sin. What are we going to do now? But the truth is, God does not die. God is eternally mortal and immutable and faithful he cannot die so his mighty work of salvation continues on in history and the other thing we need to know is no man is indispensable when Moses dies God appoints Joshua To continue the task. God is not confused. He does work according to his own eternal plan. He has a plan. So early on. He chose Joshua. He ordained Joshua to his service. By filling him with the Holy Spirit. God appointed him long ago as assistant to Moses to learn many things that a leader ought to know. 
Remember, he was the general in charge of the battle against the Amalekites. 38 years before, he was chosen to be one of the spies to enter Canaan. And he brought a good report. And now Joshua is ready for the task. So what is the challenge for Joshua? The Lord speaks directly to Joshua to rise and lead the two million people across the swelling and overflowing Jordan into the promised land. He promised to do this, God promised to do this 500 years before when he made a covenant with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. He promised to do this to Isaac. He promised to Jacob to do the same thing. Let's turn to the book of Genesis and chapter 48. This is the word of Jacob, otherwise called Israel. He's speaking to his son Joseph. Genesis 48 and verse 21. Then Israel said to Joseph, I am about to die. But God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. God's plan continues on in spite of what happens to us. Or turn to chapter 50 and verse 24. This is the word of Joseph. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's servants die. They must die. But God does not die. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remember, in faithfulness to this promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God appeared to Moses in the burning bush to bring the people of God out of Egyptian bondage. And he brought them out, not to leave them in the wilderness. He said, I am here to bring you out, to bring you in. And this he now does through Joshua. So the Lord commands Joshua to arise, cross the overflowing Jordan, conquer Canaan, and distribute the land to the Israelites. So in the first nine verses, you find an outline of the entire book of Joshua. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he gives to whomever he wills. So the question is, how can Joshua do this mighty task? He is afraid, he is timid, he is weak. And we are given answer to that question. We all are facing troubles and difficulties and problems in life. Then how can we live 
a successful life, overcoming all these problems. Now, there are three points we want to tell you. First, the promise of God. God gave promise directly to Joshua. Promise of God. Second, is the Pentateuch. In other words, he had a Bible with him. At that time, the canon only had five books called Pentateuch. But it was the very word of God. It was the written word. And the third, of course, is the presence of God. The promise of God, the written scriptures, and the presence of God will guarantee you success. So first, then, the promise of God. Let's turn to Joshua. Look at verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I saw to their forefathers. The promise of God. Because. So let's look at the promise Notice verse 2. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land. I am about to give. That's the promise. The time has come. No more delay. I'm about to give. That's God's promise. That's a gift. I'm going to give. And Joshua, you must believe in that promise. And then we... Look at another promise in verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Now that's a promise. I'll give you every place where you set your foot. There the word your foot is not just Joshua's foot but it is plural. It is the foot of all the people of God. God gives you a gift, but you have to fight. And you have to appropriate. You have to believe. You have to cooperate. You have to go about, walk about, appropriate that promise for yourself. It is not some automatic giving us gifts when we are passive. We don't believe in that. We believe in cooperating with God. So, but it is a promise. Every place you walk. It will be yours. I promise. Third. And look at verse 4. The extent of the territory. In other words. I will give the land. Bounded by these territories. On the west side. The Mediterranean Sea. On the east side, river Euphrates. On the north side, Lebanon. South side, the wilderness. Huge area. I will give it to you. And this is already promised to Abraham in Genesis 15. Let me read to you from verse 18. 
on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants I gave this land from the river of Egypt to the great river the Euphrates the land of the Canaanites, Kenesites, Catmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephaites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. The extent of it. I will give it to your descendants. And now the time has come. He says, I'll give it to you. And the next promise. Take a look at it and believe it. It is a promise to us too. Verse 5. It says no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. I believe that. I live by that promise. No one. If you are a servant of God, no one shall be able to oppose you, stop you, defeat you. That's a promise we rely on. And look at Verse 5 again. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. That's a promise. Man is nothing. Man is a big zero. But God with man does mighty things. That's all we should be concerned about. Is God with you or not? If God is with me, everything is going to be all right. And then we read, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Which writer to the Hebrews repeats in Hebrews 13. In the Hebrew language it means I will never make you sink and drown. I will never drop you, abandon you. I will never forsake you. Oh, I believe in that promise. As I face new year, new challenge, new infirmity, and death itself. You believe in the promise of God. Remember Jesus Christ, the disciples, all of them forsook him. Judas betrayed him. St. Paul says Demas abandoned him. St. Paul says everyone in Asia forsook him. He says at my first defense nobody stood with him but then he says in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 verse 17 but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength facing challenges troubles problems infirmities don't worry our Lord shall never make you sink leave you Abandon you, forsake you. And if he is for us, who can be against us? And take a look at verse 6. Here is a, a promise. You will lead these people to inherit the land. That is an indicative statement. There is no contingency here. It is a promise. You will. Not anybody else. God has chosen him many, many years ago. God has trained him. God ordained him. God filled him with wisdom. God gave him the Holy Ghost. And now it is the promise. You will lead 
the two million people across this turbulent, overflowing river and conquer the land and divide the land as inheritance to people, my people, so that I could fulfill what I promised to Abraham on oath. The question is, whose promise is this? I have heard promises of human beings. When the time came, I couldn't lean on them. Don't trust in princes, in kings, in people. They lie, they may forsake you. But he doesn't. The eternal God is our refuge. And underneath are his everlasting arms. He will sustain you. Whose promise is this? Whose word is this? This is the word of the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He spoke and the universe sprang into existence out of nothing. It is the word of the Lord who upholds the universe by the word of his power. It is the word of the Lord who governs all the affairs of history. It is the word of the Lord who made a covenant with Abraham 500 years before to assure him that he will have descendants and he will have a land. And through him will come a savior in whom all the families of the earth will be blessed. He is the covenant Lord. It is the promise of the infinite personal God who cannot lie. Joshua is to believe these promises of God. They shall be fulfilled. And Joshua, if you want, look at history. What I promised to Abraham 500 years before, in due time, I appeared in burning bush, in the burning bush, and I spoke to Moses. Let's turn to the book of Exodus and read that passage so that we will know that we can trust this God. He proved himself to be trustworthy in his dealings in history. Exodus 3, beginning with verse 6. Then he said, I am God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. Flowing with milk and honey. And verse 14 And God said to Moses, I am who I am. So, Joshua, you can look at history and see what God had done previously. Was he faithful before? Yes, he was faithful. He delivered them through mighty miracles, the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, which Joshua himself witnessed. Providing water and manna daily for 40 years. The defeat of the Amalekites. 
and guiding them continually by his presence giving them everything they needed they lacked nothing you can trust him in second corinthians let me read what saint paul is saying in verse 20 chapter 1 for no matter how many promises god has made they are yes in christ yes in christ that's what prayer should be prayer is what oh god do what you have promised you promised and i believe in your promise please do what you have promised that is praying according to the will of god and second point you have to keep in mind is pentateuch or the scripture the power of the written word So some time is taken to describe this to us verse 7 be strong and very courageous be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you at that time the scripture had only five books it will increase by the death of Joshua the canon will increase and it will include the book of Joshua and then it will go on increasing until we have the complete revelation in the whole Bible the written word now first you must understand the Bible it is also the result of the creative activity of God all scripture is God breathed it is not a human work it is God's work God is its primary author It is the word of God breathed out to be believed. And your job and my job is add faith to it. The written word of God. All scripture is God breathed. And therefore it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped to do all good work it's our book that's why this church is centered on it sola scriptura scripture is the authority and you say you are Christians and you got married well be governed by this book all aspect of life is to be regulated by this book And so, that is the responsibility of the leader, Joshua. Remember, Joshua, that Moses disobeyed my word. That's why he died and couldn't take his people. Therefore, be careful to pay attention to the word of God. So first, let's take a look at it. First thing is, Verse 7, be careful to what? To obey all the law. In other words, he had a copy of this law. 
He is not to rely on his own subjectivism and his own feeling and his own idea. There is objective historical word of God. You read the last verse of Judges chapter 21. In those days there were no kings. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That's called autonomy. And people even today in the church. The authority is their feeling. Their subjectivism. I'm angry. I do what I want to do. If you do what you want to do. You are not a Christian. Notice then first. Obey all the law. Obedience to God's word is the key to success. Power, courage, wisdom. The righteous, the Bible says, that is one who does the will of God. That's what righteous means. The righteous is as bold as a lion. Confident, bold, moving forward. Not backward. Unafraid. It is the sin and the guilt that make us afraid and timid. The obedient person sets goals and achieves them. So obey all the law. Number two, it says, do not turn to the right or to the left of God's word. In other words, do not deviate from God's direction. God has no pleasure in a person who will deviate from God's revealed direction. The word is God's road map. It's amazing. When we drive, we are very careful to observe the road map. But here is the road map for human life to arrive at success and prosperity, blessing, fellowship with God, eternal life. There is a road map. We must be very careful to study it, understand it, and be regulated by it. Roadmap for life. It is called the narrow way that leads to life, success, prosperity. And go forward in it. Do not deviate to the right or to the left. Don't adjust it. Don't add to it. Don't subtract from it. Don't be selective in our obedience to the word of God. Turn to book of Deuteronomy chapter 12. And the last verse. Verse 32. Moses is saying. See that you do all I command you. Do not what? Add to it. Or take away from it. Chapter 17 of Deuteronomy. And verse 11. Act according to the law they teach you and the decisions they give you. Do not turn aside from what they tell you to the right or to the left. You and I have no freedom to interpret away its meaning. To add to it, subtract from it, deviate from it, select it. And that's why I don't like promise boxes. 
or book of promises. Why is it? They are selecting. The only one groovy verses makes them have goosebumps, cause them to have exhilaration. But they don't, they don't want the verse that says repent. They don't want the verse that speaks about the wrath of God. They don't want it. Anybody to tell them to obey God's word? Joshua is to submit to the authority of scripture. Third, Joshua is to study the word of God. When we say study, it means hard work to understand the meaning of it so that I can do what it says. Study daily, study systematically, not selectively. Study comprehensively. That's why in this church we read through the Bible. And we try to preach through the Bible. We have to know the entire revelation of God. As to how we must live. Number four. We are told if you read it. He is the, the words of this Lord should not depart from your mouth it says. In other words you have to speak the word. Father, you must speak the word to your children, to your family. It's your job. Speak the word. Because it is light. It's guidance. Speak the word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, we are told. Teaching and counseling. Exhorting, rebuking, correcting. The word of God. Speak it. Not the words of men. Not human philosophies. They have no authority. They have no power. They cannot guide you in life. We hear nowadays about values, isn't it? Values. Republicans are for values. Now I say Republicans, what value you are talking about? There is no value other than the value revealed in the scriptures. But they don't want that. Values. You find everlasting principles in the Holy Scriptures. Study it daily, systematically, comprehensively, strenuously. I was studying about A.W. Pink, it was 110 degrees temperature. And he what should he do? He must study the Bible. And it is said that he will put his feet in water and then put some wet cloth on his head trying to study the word. Serious business. Speak the word. Speak to your family. Joshua is to speak to his family. Remember at the end he said, you can do whatever you want, but... Me and my family, I and my family, we will serve the Lord. He taught his family, he taught his people, the people of God. We must speak the word of God, opposing all heresies and all lies and human philosophies, psychologies, scientism. You say, the Bible says, God says, it is written. We will not embrace modernity. 
we will embrace God's everlasting word of God. Church said to an inquiring person who asked the question, how come you are not preaching the gospel? The authority of the church said, we made a conscious decision not to preach the gospel, by which they meant not to preach things that will offend people. And what are some of the things that offend people? Creation. Right there you have a problem, isn't it? We are taught evolution. The Bible speaks about creation. Of course, don't preach that. It will offend people. The Bible also speaks about fall, sin. So don't speak about sin because people are offended. Don't speak about repentance. People don't like to hear the word that you must repent. The Bible speaks about the wrath of God. Oh, don't speak about it. Speaks about hell. Speaks about obedience. Don't ever speak about obedience. Don't say one thing about how you should conduct as husband and wife. How you should conduct yourself as children, as believers in Christ. Don't tell anything about it. We made a conscious decision. I tell you, we made a conscious decision to preach the gospel. No matter what. We can do nothing else. Joshua, don't do anything else but obey the whole law. And now it says, meditate upon it. Day and night, meditate upon it. Meditation means reasoning. Mind brought to bear upon the scripture. Deduction, application, discovery of things we ought to do. It is written for our encouragement, for our hope, for our warning. The word of God, profitable for these things. Meditate. St. Paul says, think on these things. Whatsoever is good, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, think on these things. And what is it, good and right and noble? It's in this thing. Think on these things. God has given us a mind to think on God. Let's turn to 119 Psalm. Let me read to you what that Psalm is speaking about the Word of God, beginning with verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than the enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers. Isn't that true? If you are a Christian, if you go to this university, let me tell you, you have more insight than the teachers who are teaching you. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path. So that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws. For you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore I hate every wrong path. When you love the word of God. 
you will avoid every sin. When I see somebody who is sinning on a regular basis, I know that person has nothing to do with this book. Or turn with me to chapter 1, Psalm 1. Look at this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. But not only meditation. Number six, it says in verse eight, do the word. Not enough to be a Bible student or a theologian or an expert in the exegesis of the Bible and to be able to tell you what it means. People who think a theologian and a Christian is one who knows the word but does not have to do them. It is a sin to know the word of God and not to do it. It is better not to go to church. It is better not to open the Bible than understand the word and not do what it says. And so you notice that you should do. Unless we do the word, we shall not be blessed. Knowing the word without obedience results in greater judgment due to greater guilt. Now look at Jesus Christ, the greater Joshua. Turn with me to the book of John and let's see what we read about Jesus Christ. And here is chapter 8 and verse 29. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do what pleases him. In chapter 4, he says, my food is to do the will of God and to finish it. When he was tempted, what did he say? It is written. The scripture tells me, God the Father tells me that I should worship him and serve him alone. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the devil left him. And this Jesus Christ tells us, turn to Matthew chapter 7. And here he tells us, in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That means orthodox theologian, orthodox student. That speaks about every person who knows the Bible. This is not speaking about pagans who have no understanding. Every person who knows the Bible, but who will not do what God says, but will do exact opposite of the will of God. And they want to enter into the kingdom of God on that day. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, depart from me. Those who do immorality. So in look at verse 24, Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? And what? Put them to practice. Vast majority of even reformed churches, Bible-believing churches, have abandoned the whole idea of holy life, obedient life. They have subscribed to antinomianism. 
Oh, they glory in theological exegesis and writing papers and books. But they themselves will not do what the book is telling us. Number seven. Look at chapter one, verse eight. In your translation, it will be, then you will be prosperous and successful. But actually it says, for then you will be prosperous and successful. But that, what does that mean? When you know the word and do the word, then Joshua, you don't have to worry about anything. Then and then only you'll be successful. A word regulated man. Whatever you do shall prosper. You'll be like tree planted by the stream. So what? Leaves shall not wither. Brings forth fruit in its season. God's purposes will be fulfilled in your life. So I spoke about two things. Promise and the Pentateuch. The third thing which is what? The presence of God. Well Moses died but God didn't die. God is alive and well and he is with us. He was with us in the past and he is with us now and he'll be with you tomorrow. Wherever you go, he'll be with you. Heavenly Father, as we look around, we see a secular world. We see demonization. We see anti-Christian ideas all around. We see antinomianism in the church. They say, receive Jesus as Savior, but you don't have to receive him as Lord. What a lie. How can people like that be successful and prosperous? How can they go across Jordan? How can they face the fortress of Jericho? But, oh God, help us to pay attention to your counsel to Joshua. May we believe in your promises, in your scriptures, and most of all, in the fact of your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio, a part one of this message entitled, Success in Life Guaranteed. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.